Are you one of the three quarters of people struggling with a fear or anxiety around public speaking? Do you wish you could communicate more effectively, develop more meaningful relationships, grow your business and access greater opportunities? Welcome to Simon Speaks, a public speaking podcast with me, your host, Simon Day. In this series, I'll draw on my own experience from terrified teenager to UK award-winning speaker and communications coach, as well as speaking to a number of special guests, all with one object in mind, to help you communicate more effectively. Ready to grow? Let's get started. Hello, everybody. The warmest of welcomes to the Simon Speaks podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here for this episode, and I'm even more delighted to welcome Susan Heaton-Wright, otherwise known as the Superstar Communicator, which she created in 2015. She's a virtual impact communications and speaking expert, and she's also a speaker, coach, and mentor. And in 2020, was given the accreditation of one of the top 100 female entrepreneurs in the UK, which in the middle of a global pandemic is no mean feat. So very well done for that, Susan. But welcome to the show. It's a delight to have you and uh, fill in any gaps I've missed. And please feel free to uh, introduce yourself and give us a bit of your background, if you would, please. Thanks ever so much for having me. Um, It's a real honour. And I should fess up. In fact, I was awarded the 100 female um, inspirational entrepreneurs before the pandemic started. <laughs> so it doesn't sound quite so good now, does it? <laughs> I think the recognition in and of itself is, is quite remarkable, but uh, yeah, you've made it stick through a pandemic, which I think is even, even more impressive. Um, yeah, give us some of your background. Tell us a bit, a bit about how you got to where you are and how you came to set up um, Superstar Communicator about five, six years ago. I was one of those anxious school kids that didn't speak up very much in class. I was one of those kids that when it came to the paragraph that I had to read out in class, I would be terrified. And yeah, Simon, you're going, yeah. And I would count the number of people in front of me and will the bell to go before it was my turn because I would mispronounce words. And although I'm not, I've never been diagnosed significantly as dyslexic, there are many indications that there's a possibility um, that, that, that that's there and it is in the family. So it, it can be genetic. But so I was one of those kids who very much uh, was underestimated because I was quite quiet and quite anxious. We were talking before the podcast started about teachers predicting grades. I had predicted grades that were too lower for each of the subjects than what I actually achieved. I was told, yeah, I was told not to apply for university. I actually found an application form at the school next door, filled it in, banged on the door of the headmistress and said, could you do my application for me and within days I was getting invitations because they they interviewed at the time for top universities and I got into Durham University now had I not done that um, I would my life would have been very different but the reason why I say that is because I now know 
that I wasn't demonstrating that I was the, of the ability to the teachers. Yeah, on, on paper, I was achieving those things, those grades, but in reality, in the classroom, there was a question mark and so they marked me down. And you know, this is reality, isn't it? And I was aware looking back that I was underestimated, undervalued, and perhaps overlooked in certain situations. A lots of people that I work with are exactly those people, that they are really, really skilled at what they do, but they might not be the loudest person in the room. They might not be the person that's doing all of this in meetings or stepping up to do the presenting. And that's really the reason why I do it. Re probably to make myself feel better from that schoolgirl. But the reality is I know what it's like and I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through with that. So when I left, um, when, when I had my son, he's now 21, I'd been a professional opera singer and I had met lots and lots of people that were not within the music world and they kept saying to me, how is it that you can walk into a room and you look so confident, even though I was feeling inside? Or how do you project your voice? And of course, I'd gone from this quiet schoolgirl through various things that happened to me, which I won't go into now, eventually turning up at music college, probably the only person that had never been centre stage in my life before, and I acquired lots of skills. Some of them were technical ones that are very theatrical and very relevant for performance and presentation and, and impact. But also I gave myself permission to take that center stage, that it was okay to do that. And what, what I did when, yeah, you're looking at me, yeah, this makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> you're letting me carry um and and i mean i'd been told when i was younger not to show off and be quiet speak until you're spoken to don't ask all of those things that um are embedded can be embedded in our personality and can prevent us being the best version of ourselves that we can be and so i originally worked with teachers and lecturers on their voices and their physical presence. So that was very close to being an opera singer. I was obviously wasn't getting them singing, but thinking about different aspects of their, their vocal usage, um, but also their body language and how they could um, pace themselves with their voice. Um, I think I talk about three different types of voice so that you can preserve your voice. You've got the energy by the end of the day. But it became apparent that, well, two things. One, we went into the recession in 2010. There was no money in the public sector for things like that. There were for computers, but not for this. And so I started to look at doing more work with um, companies 
and it went from there and I realized that I needed to create my own methodology which is trademarked and I identify five key areas that I believe are essential for spoken communication they can actually work for written communication as well and you go into more depth in in those different areas dependent on the situation and the scale so a one-to-one -one conversation like this there are going to be similar things to public speaking but you scale it up mm. you will look yeah you it's just so refreshing to hear somebody else that believes so many of the things that I do about about speaking. Uh, I, I was an anxious student as well. I really struggled. Oh, no. Yeah, I really struggled at college because I, I needed help. I, I was struggling in some of my subjects, but I was too frightened to talk about it. Yeah. By the time yeah. I was ready to admit to somebody that I was really floundering, it was too late. And, and yeah. A lot of people now go to university having not had the practice in, in speaking. And, and with my background in the education sector, I know for a fact that for GCSE now, we teach students how to write stories. We teach them how to analyse poetry and look at texts and how to gain comprehension skills. What we don't teach them is how to speak. We never teach them how to stand up and present. And then they wonder why they're so anxious when they get further down the road because they've not been prepared. I totally agree. I mean, I was at a, a, a very academic girls' school, and yet at 16, I went for an interview at WH Smith. My mum got it for me. And I did not speak during the whole interview because I was so anxious. And they didn't even bother to phone me up. Now, that as a 16-year-old who'd already done her, it was O-levels in my time, shows how old I am. But to get to that, that state without feeling vaguely comfortable about an interview process is not really a good thing to hear. It's not. And, and I think, you know, we, we almost do our students a, a disservice in a way because we, we teach them English, maths and science skills, which are all well and good and all useful, but we don't teach them things like how to budget. We don't teach them things like how to sit in a job interview and be able to make eye contact with somebody and articulate an answer to a question uh, because we, we simply haven't prepared them. And yeah. that only gets worse as, as gets older. And, and I've worked with some clients that are on huge sums of money, and, I'm, and probably you have as well, that, that will turn around and say to you, I'm, I'm terrified about this presentation. And, and you say, yeah. how have you got to this stage in your career? without conquering this fear and they'll say well i've worked in backroom jobs technical jobs jobs where i can work in small teams and liaise on the phone and all of a sudden they get annual conference and they have to present and they're conquering a fear that they've never really come come up against and uh, you know the the reality is that we can't really run from it our whole lives we're going to have no, to confront it at some point and, and better sooner rather than later. And, and to a degree, I'm glad that I've managed to get to a point where I feel comfortable talking in front of people and with people about these issues um, without getting too much further down the road. But I, I know that some people struggle for years and years and years. Oh, well, I was working with somebody today. Um, uh, I, I obviously won't go into too many details, but it was somebody who is preparing for partnership at a big law firm and um, of course it's a presentation that's going to be virtual and he said I am so scared because 
all of my years of being a lawyer are coming down to these 15 minutes. Well, the reality is that it's not. But he had sort of misframed everything and put so much emphasis on that. And it, it you know, obviously we, we moved it on and changed some of his mindset in, the, in that session. I'd like to have done more work with him, but there wasn't the time. But we can put too much emphasis on these things. And my first mantra is, no one died of public speaking. Yeah, because a lot of people go to the Jerry Seinfeld quote, don't they, where they say, you know, public speaking is only second to, to death. And when you're at a funeral, that means you'd rather be in the in the casket than reading the eulogy. And yeah. People quote that. And they say, yeah, but nobody's ever actually died in the act of speaking. I've never been in a no, conference and watched someone drop on the stage. It just does, it doesn't happen. No, no. So, maybe some of the audience <laughs> died from boredom but that's a different thing altogether <laughs> but having been what um, you know um, some unfortunately somebody who has been in significantly dangerous situations where i literally look death in the face i can believe believe me although public speaking is scary at times i'd know what i'd prefer to be yeah. So you mentioned earlier there were five main areas that you that you focus on with with speaking, um, and there are probably people listening to this quite quite likely uh, because those are the kind of people we're trying to reach who look at public speaking and think, "I know I need it. I know I need to get better at it in order to access the opportunities that are out there and the progression that I want." But I don't really know where to start. I don't know where to prioritize in terms of the skills I need to develop most quickly or first as a priority in order to, to start that journey. Give, give us some advice on where you usually start with people and what skills you try to build first of all in order to get that journey rolling. Well, I always ask, what's the purpose? Why are you going to speak? What's in it for your audience? And understanding who your audience is and what they might be interested in or what they might need to hear. Now, obviously I'm referring to a meeting or a presentation or public speaking, all of those things, or even, you know, on social media, a LinkedIn Live or a Facebook Live. There's no point, what, what's the point of speaking for the sake of it? You should have some sort of purpose because otherwise it is noise. Hmm. Yeah, and, and sadly, social media is a place where sometimes people do make noise, <laughs> and, and you have to try yeah. through that for the for the quality. Yeah. You know, so social media now is is I find remarkably interesting because you're trying to grab people's attention in a very short time span where they might otherwise scroll past, and so there are things that that we can do in order to engage that attention but i think you're hitting on the core one the central one which is why do people care and what is the central question that they're likely to have about what it is i share so one of the things i do when i'm planning content perhaps you do something similar as well is i ask myself questions about what it is i do as though i'm my prospective client so what do i need to do here what's this tip how would i go about this and then i just write a list of the questions and, and I, I will do a piece of content based on the answers to those questions in the hope that it's going to add value 
to, to my client. But when you're emotionally engaged in your own work and attached to it, it's sometimes very difficult to step back and say, how can I look at this from a critical point of view, from my prospective client's point of view? But I, but I found that as soon as you do that, either doing it through through your own methods or actually having somebody else come in and say, all right, this is what you need to think about. As soon as I've started doing that, I've found the process of creating meaningful content and, and having meaningful conversations much, much easier. Oh, definitely. Because any conversation is two-way anyway. We often focus on, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a speaker, I'm doing a speech, I, I'm a public speaker, all of those things. And it's me, 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 actually. You've got your audience. And I know that from when I was a singer, when I was a musician, the audience play a key role in any performance. Uh, you probably haven't been in this situation, but if you've got an audience that's quite disengaged for whatever reason, perhaps they're hungry, everything's overran, or they're tired, um, or, or you, you, you know, they're just a bit restless, that is going to play a role in how you perform and how you deliver the content. Mm. That's yeah, that's really important, and uh, I'm I'm quite interested in this because I I am something of a musician. I, I play the piano, uh, and I do, right. I do like to sing. Um, I, I say this to people, I can hold a tune, but it's probable that I'm going to drop it. <laughs> so I I don't call myself a, a singer, but I do enjoy singing. I'm interested to know what is it about your experience of being a singer that's made you a better speaker. What, is, what are some of the, the principles you've learned from singing that have improved your, your speaking work? If you think about the whole process of, because I was an opera singer, so I learned roles, but also I created one or two roles. I created one for English National Opera Works and a couple of other new pieces as well you are part of the process of creating the content and understanding the purpose the why who the audience is but in particular the preparation the actual physical performance and how you can use the voice the tone the speed all of the the, the intonation the um how loud it is to really draw in an audience. So I put, that. I mean, the, the third part of the methodology, the superstar communicator one, is actually preparation. And that includes practicing, really being prepared physically and mentally, but also learning to manage your fear. Mm. I like that, and and I like that you've you've mentioned those elements of the voice because I've I've always come to believe now that really effective, engaging speaking has a musicality to it. In the, oh, definitely. You know, there's so many parallels between a good piece of music and a good speech and the journey. Oh, oh absolutely, and I always think of a speech as being like an athletics race on the track. So if you've got somebody who's doing, well, a, a, 
in the old days we would do a three-hour workshop with a break but that's almost like a marathon isn't it and you can't go full pelt the whole time and I know and I, I can say this with my heart hand on my heart and with with love that there are some people who've moved from keynote where it's the whole time to training and they have still got, tried to go hell to leather and they've been racing a 400 meter race instead of a marathon or a 10,000 and you have in order to keep your audience engaged just like a musical piece like an aria you are going to have quiet bits you are going to vary the tone you're going to vary the sort of content you include so if if you are if, if you are doing a workshop you might want to include some discussions you might want to include some surveys or polls or videos or other things that vary the journey rather like somebody who's doing a, a marathon and there's a little bit up the hill and they have to be and then it's on on a slope downwards and they can relax a bit mm, i love that comparison I've, I've always enjoyed good quality music and it does really have everything in it in terms of the textures the volume and even moments of silence and i always say to oh. coaching silence can be as impactful as a crescendo you've just got to know when to use them and the interesting thing is that as a singer we our instruments are our bodies so we are athletes probably probably more than any other instrumentalist i mean obviously if you're doing the drums or you're you're you've got a um a wind instrument you you've got an element of that but you are actually using your whole body to um resonate the sound and breathing and even within a three four minute aria there are places when you can have a couple of seconds of rest rest you are not screaming your tits off for the entire time so you can pace yourself so you can build up to those really impactful moments mm. and you use that exactly the same in a speech mm. and and a lot of it comes down to being able to to gauge your audience and, and this is something that takes a lot of time and a lot of practice but over the years that, that I've, I've gradually built my confidence speaking in front of people you know, at first I was scared to make eye contact with anyone. I'd skim the room or I'd, I'd not really anywhere. But I'm getting to the point now where I can hold someone's gaze for a sentence or two and then move on. And, and in that time, you really can pick up a lot of the subtleties of body language and facial expression and, and smile and, and everything else. And, and it allows you to, to almost adapt your approach, sometimes mid-sentence, mid-point, midway through a session, if, if you can pick that up. And, and that's all about building the, the relationship between yourself uh, and, and the audience. And, and that is something that does take practice, but I found that to be one of the most rewarding parts of, of speaking is, is that play between you as a speaker and the audience where you can gauge more effectively what they're thinking, feeling, and get that, that vibe, that sense back, and then you can adapt based on, on that reaction. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about... Uh, the journey you've been on over the last six years in terms of having started this, this superstar communication in 2015, there, there are a lot of people I know that, that throughout pandemic and throughout lockdown will have wanted to perhaps change direction a little bit. They've spent more time at home. They want to get a, a more effective way of hybrid working. A lot of people might want to set themselves up as a, as a new business. 
and are wondering how. I suppose I should ask you, what is it that you've learned about creating your own brand over the last several years that maybe you now wish, uh, I wish I'd known that at the start, that would have made life easier? Do you know that the one thing, looking through the pandemic, um, I am not going to be the only person that at the beginning of 2020 looked at my diary and thought, it's going to be a good year. I've already got lots of things booked in. And if I'm perfectly honest, I think I took my foot off the accelerator and didn't keep marketing, didn't keep banging on the doors of people, even though I'd got those, those things in the diary, which, by the way, disappeared. Um, so I was back to zero at the beginning of March. And that is the that really is the biggest learning point for me, that you have to be consistent. Just because you're busy, you shouldn't stop emailing people. You shouldn't stop having a chat with people. You shouldn't stop marketing in all different ways. And that's it. That, that is one of the key things is that we live in a world now where it's not really all going to fall in your lap. There are elements of no. I have to go out and, and, and get this. And I'm currently learning that lesson with trying to build where I'm from and, and where I'm at in, in the stage of my journey. I recognize that, you know, a lot of the things that, that have happened in the last couple of years for me have happened because I was willing to get out there. And, and Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, from, from my point of view, I always did quite a bit of speaking and it would always lead to more leads. Um, whether I whether it was spoken um, spoken engagements with, of which I did quite a few, or ones where I had carefully chosen an organisation that could either it was agreed that I would talk to specific people afterwards as part of the agreement, or that um, I knew in the room there were people that were my target audience. So I had to completely change that in March and I worked my butt off to get new work. Nothing has landed on my lap. It's all been through hard work and, you know, delivering high quality content and, and you know, the actual delivery that was um, very engaging, which led to more work. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people on social media would have you believe that it's an easy process and it can be done. Overnight. Oh, it's not. I mean, good luck. Good luck to them. I, I wish them well. But, um, you know, hard work goes a long way. It, it does. And it, it takes real character. And, and I suppose coming back to nearly where we started from in terms of schooling, you know, this, these are the skills that we need to, to keep instilling in our young people is, is the, the resilience, the character and the hard work. We can teach the skills, we can teach the ability to write and read and, and find answers to quite but but do we really teach people how to keep going when the doors seem to close in your face? Can we teach people the character to pick yourself up after that setback? And I think that's oh. absolutely vital. And, and, you know, I, I had some, I had a big piece of work with a pharmaceutical company and it was all set to go in April. 
Um, and I contacted this lady who was over in the US and I had the most extraordinary, really quite rude email from her. Now, looking back, she was in the middle of a pandemic, was probably terrified. However, I think you should always rise above that and show some politeness towards other people. Um, but that knocked me. And yet I still picked up the phone to somebody else a moment later because you've, you've just got to carry on. You do. You do. And, uh, you know, that, that has been a, an attitude in this country for, I dare say, a very long time. And it's one we need to remember uh, as, as we keep going forward through the, the future challenges. I, I don't think we're through this yet. I don't think we're... No, we're not. We're not through it at all. And whilst it's all lovely that... Um, that the furlough scheme is going to go on for much longer. There are a number of people, a number of people that you and I know in the PSA, myself including, my husband included, who have had no support at all from the government. And yet we've continued paying our taxes. And that's, yeah. And that's, again, that's another thing that people can't teach you is the the integrity is the word I was searching for. Um, the ability to keep doing what you believe to be right, even when you feel overlooked is a word I will, I will use. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I do know some people who have really, really suffered. I, I you know, maybe I'm lucky with the personality that I have, but I've had wobbles it hasn't been easy. There have been times when I thought, I mean, my, I went to my husband after everything disappeared and I said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I think that um, you're probably going to have to <laughs> contribute more. And I think he looked at me and, and thought, that's not my Valkyrie. <laughs> she doesn't behave like she never gives up. And these moments come along and, and uh, I'm reminded of a quote by Nelson Mandela, which hangs on the wall outside my office in my school building. And it says, uh, don't judge me by my mistakes or my shortfalls. Judge me by the amount of times that I fell and got back up. Yeah. I think that wow. really says it all. It's not about the triumphs and it's not about the trials. It's about what we do when when we yeah. face those moments. Because we are, we are going to... Everybody... Uh, one of my friends says, we're never going to make it through mortality without having experience that reminds us we're mortal. And, and I think that's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And whilst it might appear that some people go through a life that is really easy, and yet occasionally there are people like that, but at some point everybody has a challenge. And whilst, I, you know, I, I really don't wish it upon anybody, but that is the reality of life and how we deal with disappointments and how we deal with failure. Mm. Yeah, I, lo I love the one from uh, The Count of Monte Cristo by Dumas when, when he's giving, giving some advice, he says to him, you have to look into the storm and say, do your worst for I will do mine. And I, I like that as well. Uh, always gives me a bit of uplift on it. <laughs> uh, what is it that you've got coming up in the in the future how can people get in contact with you and what is it you've got going on at the moment they can get involved with oh well there are a few a couple of things that i am not able to talk about at the moment that are 
amazing that I, I it, it's literally with lawyers the agreements and things like that very very exciting stuff um, but I'm sure you'll hear about it in a few months time but I'm going to be starting a series of complimentary webinars really to build up my list and in case people are interested in booking me for their organization I will definitely have um, some public webinar workshops that people can book onto but they are not the 50 pound ones they're more like 200 they will be more like 200 pounds that perhaps a company will pay for somebody to go on but if anybody does want to find out more um to to get information about any of the webinars in the future you need to go to superstarcommunicator.com forward slash webinar dash interest and i will put it in the chat if that will help you yeah that's really good uh, and we'll put it also in the show notes of the episode uh, so we'll copy that link we'll put it below so that people can get onto not just the website but specifically that link uh, to register their interest for the webinar sounds terrific and uh, having looks at your website it is it's very beautiful laid out there are lots of things people can look at and get into and, and find out more information on so i would only endorse that in addition to those links to those resources and that webinar interest, you can just look around the website and there is an awful lot uh, for people to access and, and read up about. So I highly uh, recommend people go to, to the website and get in touch with Susan. Should you wish to engage with any of the things that she offers and, and having heard her speak for the last hour, I don't see why you wouldn't. So do it. And uh, it just remains for me to say thank you very much, Susan, for, for coming on this, this episode of the show and sharing everything you've said. It's been a wonderful conversation with somebody very much aligned to many of, of my beliefs. So thank you very much for, for giving up your time and I wish you every success. Thank you and thank you very much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Simon Speaks, a public speaking podcast with me, your host, Simon Day. I hope that what you've learned in today's episode will help you become a more effective communicator as you put it into practice. You can visit my website, simonspeaks.co.uk, for more information, tips, articles and resources, or to speak to me about working with me as a coach. I'm also available on Twitter and Instagram, at underscore Simon Speaks. I'm on LinkedIn, and I also have a YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Speaks. Thanks again for tuning in today, and I look forward to seeing you again next time.